Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Read My Lips Radio. Happy to be here. I have a wonderful panel of hardworking creatives, and you're going to meet them in a minute. But ladies on my panel, I have to get you to help me do a welcome, a shout out to LLL. So I'm going to say, on the count of three, just say, hello, LLL. Here we go. One, two, three. Hello, L-L-L. And if you haven't listened to the show, and I know Marisa has, she's lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She's in Whitestone, New York. And Valerie, you're on the panel. I'm trying to relocate Laura to London. I'm taking up a a fictitious GoFundMe campaign. But if you could find her a place in London, because Whitestone starts with a W and it doesn't go with the L. So Valerie, I'm, I'm counting on you. I haven't even introduced okay. Valerie yet, but she, she's our real estate guru, and she'll make it happen. Today is February 7th, the 38th day already in 2022 of the Gregorian calendar. I always say thank you to Greg Gregory, whatever his mother called him. We like his calendar. Western zodiac sign is Aquarius, age of, I won't sing, January 20th to February 18th. It's the actually the last air sign of the zodiac. Go look it up. And let's see, we have 327 days left in the year. It's the sixth Monday, and nobody gives a crap about that except me and if you're planning something very special for new year's eve when 2023 is on the horizon or the clock is ticking go reserve something good at an online wine store right now or get a recipe for Kahlua in the sink in your garage or a still in your backyard because it's never too soon to prepare for the next new year's eve i say so let me tell you who my special guests are ladies wave when i call your name and then i'll have you introduce yourself so first up is rebecca murtaugh and she spells her last name m-u-r-t-a-g-h and i learned to not say the g-h she's a creative Creative turn futurist. Ah, on a mission to share the good, bad, and the ugly of AI. Those of you uninitiated, that's artificial intelligence. It's all around you, whether you know it or not. Before this lure into technology, Rebecca was a creative director and a graphic designer, and her background is in art, music, and writing. Welcome, Rebecca. Met you at the Publicity Summit. Delighted to have you. Valerie Fitzgerald. Valerie and I go way back several years. She was on my show before Zoom, before Voice America, dare I say. Valerie is the esteemed president of the the Beverly Hills-based Valerie Fitzgerald Group. What else would she call it? She's ranked among Coldwell Banker's top 10 agents in the country. She's the author of Heart and Soul, love that play on words, How to Survive and Thrive in Real Estate, and she's the co-host of a brand new podcast started in late 2021 called Real Estate, Real Laughs, and she loves the title so much it's all in caps. So, Valerie, nice to see you. (laughs) Welcome. You knew I was going to do something with that. And the third panelist today is Marisa. She spells is it just like Marissa, but I'm a good girl and I'm going to say Marisa, M-A-R-I-S-A, last name Valbona. She is the founder and president of CIM Inc. PR. Yeah, she's a PR pro. And she created the video course, How to Look Amazing on Zoom to 10X Your Success. And she was a cover story in Inc. Magazine because she led a team of PR consultants to help launch, you all know what this is, XM Satellite Radio in major markets. Welcome, Marisa. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Delighted. So read my lips, putting creativity to work. That's what we're going to call call this episode. So let's go ahead and get started. 
Rebecca, you're up first. Had to check around my microphone here. There you are, Rebecca. Rebecca Murtaugh, would you please take about three minutes, do a full introduction? I just gave the top line. Tell everybody what you are, what you, who you are, what you do. What got you into technology and just a little tiny bit about what you think about AI? Mostly good, mostly bad, or mostly ugly? Rebecca, welcome. Ah, thank you, Rand. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so I ended up in technology through the marketing department. And um, about 21 years ago, I started my own business and began immersing myself in Google Analytics and then all things data. I actually achieved uh, recognition on Google's list of top 200 women in analytics in the, in the whole world, actually. So um, I used to live in data, but I also learned a lot about how information was collected and how algorithms worked. And it just became a rabbit hole. So um, I began to get really interested in technology and uh, spent the last 21 years working in that space and developed a reputation as a futurist. And so here I am. Happy to have you. And I have a radio show called Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. And we'll talk about getting ah, on that show. Love it. Because that's love what it. we do. It's all predictions. Yeah. Valerie Fitzgerald, so nice to see you. We weren't doing Zoom when you were on my show several years ago. And here you are, as beautiful as ever, because Val- I met you at the Publicity Summit in New York. So that's I know right. who you are. Valerie, would you please do me the honor of introducing oh. yourself? What are you doing these days? Valerie, welcome. So typically, I'm doing a lot of things at the same time. Uh, Of course, I have my core real estate business and uh, development of luxury condominium buildings and single family homes here. And my team that works with me here in Beverly Hills, right on beautiful Cannon Drive. And um, I wrote my book, Heart and Soul, How to Survive and Thrive in Real Estate. It really is the first three chapters are basically about all the mistakes I made with men and money. And then I had this baby that I had to raise by myself and I had to figure out how to you know, get going on my career and my business. And so that tells the story and the adventures of all of that and how I built my business. And then my Real Estate Real Labs podcast, it started out because a friend of mine would have, and I would have lunch and we would just roar and amuse each other with all the crazy wild stories behind the real estate curtain. All the crazy things that most people don't understand that we have to go through and manage and balance. And there's a lot of crazy people out there. That So we would entertain each other. And finally, I said, you know, we should do a, a, a podcast about this just for fun. So we have guests come on. They tell crazy stories. We tell crazy stories. And we spend about 25 or 30 minutes laughing. And we've had such a great time doing it. And it's been a lot of fun. That sounds like fun. I'm going to have to tune in and listen. Where where can people find your podcast, Valerie? You can find it on Spotify. You can find it. We actually also have it on YouTube. We've been filming them and putting them on YouTube. But a lot of people are finding us as a source from YouTube. But we're across all the all the podcast platforms. Wonderful. We'll go look for it. Thank you. Let's go to Marisa. I am pronouncing your name the proper way. I know you wanted me to. And here we are. Marisa Valbone is so happy. And you're the one I met at the National Publicity Summit. And you brought Valerie along. So I'm very pleased to have both of you. Marisa, talk to me. I gave a little tiny bit of your bio, but we want to hear more. Talk. Um, yeah, so I run a PR firm, CIM Inc. PR, and I never wanted to run a PR firm. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I found myself here by accident. I um, had been working for a PR firm, and I got pregnant, and I got laid off when I was on maternity leave. And uh, yeah, that it was awful. And so I ended up deciding I never wanted to go through that again, so I started my own firm, just out of, I was just peeved. I was peeved because that happened. I said, never again is that going to happen to me. 
started my own firm. And then uh, a few years later, I ended up, um, after having my second child, I ended up leaving my, my boy's father and was so far in debt that I had to find a way to survive. I mean, I was surviving, but I wanted to thrive, right? And I had to dig myself out of that. So I decided to form what we called PR Consultants Group. I thought there have to be other people in the same situation that I'm in. So I formed a uh, consortium, you know, what have you, like a large company of other PR firms like mine, and we incorporated it. And that's how we ended up getting XM Satellite Radio as a client. So we launched it. So basically, it was like the creativity, the, you know, the necessity is the mother of invention, right? So that's how that ended up happening, just at a sheer grid. I mean, I think that's why Valerie and I connect so well, because we have that same instinct for survival. But um, that's how that all came about. And then my Zoom course was, you know, right when COVID hit and so many people go on these TV interviews and they're doing them on Zoom I was just appalled at how horrible people looked on these interviews, and I thought their lighting was bad, their camera angles were bad, and I thought somebody's got to teach them how to do this right, and I thought I'm just going to put this on a filmed course so that they can learn real quickly, so that's how that came about. Well, thank you very much. That's interesting. I had a guest who who does something similar, oh, about a year ago, Marisa, and and she recommended something. I'm going to ask you for this tip. She said, take whatever you have in terms of a light source, a lamp, anything near you, and put little pink and yellow post-it notes on it to create the light coming through, diffusing through these colored post-its. Is that something you do? I don't. I have a ring light that I got off Amazon. It's about $30, and it has uh, 60 different settings. For, so if you can buy a ring light for $30 that gives you 60 different settings and different shades, and you just play with it, um, put it right behind your computer, right behind the, the uh, camera, that does the best job. And usually right before a meeting, I will test all of my Zoom settings because it depends on the time of day as to which setting you're going to use. And also the, the height of your, can, of your computer makes a huge difference. And the background, you had asked me if this is a real background. Yes. And it is because more than 60% of people who have been polled prefer to see your real background. Like Valerie's background is real, that's her office. When people see your real background, they have a higher um, trust in you because they want to know who are you as a person, and that reflects who you are rather than having um, a stage or a, um, a fake background. Interesting. Question. How do you prevent the ring light from making donut circles of light in the glasses? Because I had a ring light. It was awful. And I sent it back the next day. I tried every setting in the world. And I've noticed I can tell when people are using a ring light because they've got the little bagels of the donuts in the glasses. Is there a tick, a trip for that? Anti-glare glasses. Yeah. This morning, I didn't have time to put my contact lenses in before meeting. And I was wearing my glasses. And usually I don't wear glasses during meetings. And I thought, how am I going to prevent that? But my, my glasses are anti-glare glasses, and I noticed it, the ring light didn't show up on my glasses. So it just depends on what kind of an anti-glare coating you have on your glasses. But 
Anti-glare coating will make the difference. Interesting. And one more thing. This is a real painting. This is one of my real collages behind me. We added the words. But I, my other name, I have 52 radio series, and I, I have art banners for the branding for each of my series so people know what they're tuning into. So this is Read My Lips, and you can see cool conversations with creatives. So that, that's who the real me is, whatever, whatever radio show I'm hosting for whatever company. That's what I do. I think your tips are great. Thank you very, very much, Marisa. Welcome. You have all sent me very kindly a quote, a fictional quote from a song or from a character in a movie or a TV show. We're going to move ahead to that because Valerie can only stay another 15 minutes. I want to make sure we get your quote in here, Valerie. So I'm going to go to Rebecca and then Valerie and let's do this. We will get plenty of Valerie in here. Rebecca, you sent me a quote from the All the Stars 2018 song recorded by American rapper Kendrick Lamar and American singer Siza. It's S-Z-A. Is that the way you pronounce it? Do you know? SZA, I believe. SZA, okay. And this was played in the end credits of the film Black Panther. So I'm going to read the quote, Rebecca. Rebecca, and I'd like you to take about three minutes and tell us what does this have to do with creativity? Go ahead. Better your life. We are running out of time. Rebecca, talk to us. The quote's better live your life. We are running out of time. And I will tell you that life goes by so fast. And I feel like I've come full circle. I actually started my career as a creative. I ended up going into corporate America And being a woman in technology, you really have to kind of button it up and become, you have to conform basically. And um, I, you know, I rose through the ladder and uh, worked for public, publicly traded companies, Fortune 500, and then starting my own company to win the business. Again, you really had to compete with the boys. And uh, so it was really competitive. But 21 years later, I am focused on helping people become more collaborative and innovative. Uh, I work, I've worked with entrepreneurs for decades now, and I try to help them tap into their genius. And that's why I wrote the book, um, Unleash Your Genius, trying to help people understand that creativity is within all of us. We all have genius within us, um, but it, there's no time to waste. We really just can't, you know, don't mess around. Don't waste all those years. I, I feel like I lost so many years. Of course, it was a different work environment 20 years ago than it is now. Um, but we're in a beautiful environment now that people can actually be who they are and be more accepted and be, you know, your uniqueness is your genius. So um, that's where the quote, that's why that quote means a lot to me. And um, I just feel like we just shouldn't be wasting time. Thank you very much. Being quirky, being different, being bold and unique is part of our creativity, I think. Thank you very much. Valerie has picked the title of a song. It's five little words and they pack a punch. The song was originally titled In Other Words. Some of you who are uh, past the the 50 or 55 year mark will will know the song. Written in 1954 by Bart Howard, Kay Ballard. Some of you who are older than 50, if I'll remember a lady named Kay Ballard. She recorded it that year and a decade later in 1964, Frank Sinatra recorded this, and it was associated with the Apollo missions to the moon. And the title, the quote Valerie picked is, Fly Me to the Moon. Valerie, talk to us. Creativity, what's the link? So for me, Fly Me to the Moon, whenever I dream, I dream about flying. I, I feel like I'm flying, not not in a plane or not in, but I'm, I'm my physical being is flying, that the world is open to me that um, I, 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 I'm looking down at the earth when I'm, this is through my dreams. I, this happened many times. Uh, Fly Me to the Moon to me is, is something that's created was endless. The possibilities are endless. Um, I always just I'll, I'll say when I'd speak in front of audiences too, that I'd say, 
uh, shoot for the moon and miss, you'll, you'll end up among the stars. So to me, it's always about the infinity of the sky and the endless reach that we can have, the endless creativity that we can have, because we all have that creativity inside of us. It's just, it opens up your heart and your, your heart, your vision. And, and it's just, it's just the way you look at things. And for me, the sky is, is infinite. And so that's, that song always touched me in a different way. And I just felt that it was inside of me. And that's what kind of drives me that, to keep thinking and keep creating and thinking how different things work and appreciating the differences, appreciating the other creativity and things that I can't do, but I, I appreciate and I love. It's just, it has a very deep meaning for me. Well, it's a lovely song and I'm glad you brought it back to our attention. I thought it was just Frank Sinatra and I didn't know it had been sung a decade earlier. And, and uh, interestingly enough, do you remember the song, It Was a Very Good Year? When I was 17, it was. Oh, well, yes. that was not a Frank Sinatra original. That was written by a friend of mine who passed away a few years ago named Irvin Drake. And he and I both lived in Great Neck, New York. And I had the pleasure of meeting him when I was a reporter for the Great Neck Record. And his wife wanted publicity. He was the president of one of the big music societies. He wrote the score for What Makes Sammy Run. He wrote Good Morning Heartache. Remember? Wow. Good Morning. Oh, yeah. He wrote He wrote Quando, Quando. Quando he wrote the lyrics to all those songs. So Irvin Drake tells the story that Frank Sinatra was in the studio for, he was in his car going through the canyon. I guess you know what that is, Valerie, where that is, driving through the canyon. And he heard, I think it was the Kingston Trio singing the song. It was a very good year when I was 17. And he liked it so much. He was doing a special, a Frank Sinatra 24 Hours in the Life of one of those. Check the facts. I'm not sure I'm right on that, but this is what I remember. And with, I think it was um, Charles Corralt. And he picked that song almost off the air, literally, and said, I want that to be the opening and the closing of my special on TV. Well, Irvin Drake said the sheet music for that song flew off the shelves the next day. They couldn't keep it in print. It became a hit when Sinatra did it, but it had already been done by a half a dozen singers artists and groups. So interesting that you picked Fly Me yeah. to the Moon. I'm very, very happy to bring back that little bit of Sinatra lore that I remember, sort of, kind of. Let's go to Marisa. Marisa has picked a wonderful quote, four words, also a classic. This is stated in the movie 1942. Oh my goodness, American romantic drama film. I won't tell you how many years ago that was. One of the greatest films in history of Casablanca. Rick, an expatriate, played by Humphrey Bogart, tells Ilsa, played by the lovely Ingrid Bergman, We'll always have Paris. Oh, Marissa, be still my heart. This is one of the most iconic lines in the history of movies ever, ever, ever. What does it have to do with creativity? Marissa. Uh, my parents met in Paris. They did. They did. They met in Paris. And my father was doing a medical internship there. And my mother was studying at Sorbonne. And my father used to write my mother poems and um, he was extremely creative. Well, she was very creative too. And the first time that I saw the Eiffel Tower, I was, or that I remember seeing the Eiffel Tower, I think I was six years old or something, but immediately when I saw it, I fell in love with it. And to me, Paris has always represented um, me being able to do anything that I set my mind to. My father and I, my, my father is deceased, but he always told me that I could do whatever I wanted, I could have whatever I wanted, that the world would be mine. And Paris was our place. 
we always went to Paris. I have family in Barcelona, so every time I would fly to Barcelona, which was very frequent, I always flew through Paris. And as soon as I landed in Paris, I always felt like as soon as I saw the Eiffel Tower, that to me grounded me. And so Paris is just my place where if I'm ever feeling a little bit off, Paris is my go-to of this is where I remind myself that I'm creative, I can achieve anything I want. Um, when I set the goal to learn French, I went and I immersed myself in France to make sure that I could get it. But that's, that's it. And, and now, as soon as my father died, I flew to Paris directly after his funeral, and I spent um, a couple of days there just going to all the monuments and everything, just as an homage to him. And in my head, I kept thinking, we'll always have Paris. I'm, I don't know whether to laugh or just, just sit here and do this for a little while. That is such a beautiful story you shared, Marisa. Thank you very much. You started out telling us about your, I, I'm going to call it something classical, but probably not true, rags to riches. You didn't have and you, you wanted and you were raising a, a child as a single mom and you lost your job, on and on and on. And now you're telling us a different magical story. You've lived several lifetimes already, haven't you, Marisa? Well, I wasn't rags to, I mean, my parents offered to, okay. you know, furnish my home that was empty and dark when I kicked my then husband out. And I told them, I said, I got myself into this mess and I'm going to get myself out of it. I told them, I said, within a year, I will be out of debt and I will be in the black. And I was, I, I made the mistake. I chose wrong. I made the mistake and I was determined, I'm a very determined woman to fix my mistake. And I did. I mean, I ended up with two wonderful sons from him and he and I are friends now, but I had to fix it. But no, I did not come from rags, but I did make some mistakes and I did have to like, I struggled. I struggled as a single mom, but yes, I wasn't going to run to my parents to fix it for me. I understand been there, done that, dear. I, I know what yeah. that means. I know what that means. And I determined I was going to be me, not somebody. I was already a mom. I was not going to be the daughter of. I was not going to be the ex-wife of. I was not going to be. I was going to be me. You all know my real name. I was going to be me. I was going to re, not reinvent, but rebirth me as an independent adult who had never worked, 27 years old, living 3,000 miles from my family, two children, divorcing my husband on the West Coast, only had a few friends, didn't know, went, had to go back to school, get a few more degrees, had my first job at 28, which was a, running a computer system for a whole school, the whole community college of the system of the state of Oregon and rebuilding, rebuilding from being afraid to be alone, <laughs> never been alone in my life, uh, right. going from parents' house to college to marriage and then cross country. So I, I understand. I understand. And learning to be smart about er, smart er, 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 about our choices. We thought we were smart the first time about our choices and rebuilding and gathering our strength and finding how we're going to be, who we're going to become. So I, I identify. Thank you so much, Marisa. I, I want to tell you that Valerie has a great um, TED talk about that very subject. Valerie, I know you do a TEDx talk about resiliency. Do you want to spend a few minutes telling us about that, please? Sure. Uh, it was quite an honor to be invited to do the TED Talk. And um, it was during the time when we I did two of them live, actually. Uh, and I think we got put, moved up to the to the big board on because I, I got so many 
good viewerships from seeing it. But the resiliency talk is talking about um, all the things basically that 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 made me, that grounded me, that gave me the strength. Because I, my daughter, my daughter never met her biological father, and I raised her, and I had to raise a business, and I, I was doing my showings, and she fell in the pool and there's so many things that happened along the way that I dove in that pool with all my clothes on. I mean, the things that we do, you, you, you land on your feet, you keep it going, you figure it out, you keep going you, you, with your head up and you know, your, your eyes wide open. And I used to say with the, now with the grief of, with the, with the strength of a woman, not the grief of a child. And um, you just keep going. I, there's one of my favorite things that I say in the Ted talk and it's, um, uh, a winner is just a loser who tried one more time. Ooh, I like Isn't that. that I like that. There, there are some good sports quotes that are similar, but I like yours even better. Valerie, I know you have to go in a couple of minutes. Can you just share with us one or two stories quickly from your Real Laughs Real Estate podcast? Anything? Oh, absolutely. Can... Yeah. Go ahead. So, so obviously, ten years ago, whatever, I was showing Michael Jackson homes and. Uh, we were, he always came, he always followed me in my car and he had this little beat up uh, VW bus. And there was this hippie kind of lady that would be driving. You'd never know in a million years that he'd be inside this VW bus. And it was like the door, one that with the door slides across on the, on the side of the, the bus. So we're driving along and he goes, Valerie, I like that house right there. So we stopped and I called the agent and and they said, oh, no, Valerie, I, I did, they, first of all, they didn't know who I had. I was going to show the house, too. But he, they said, no, 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 there is a, a Saudi family here for the summer, and they're paying 150000 a month. There's just no way you're going to see this house to show it to anyone. So I said, okay. And I told Michael, and he goes, okay, now we're doing it from the car. I'm in my car, and he's in his bus. So now we go about our way, looking around all that. Then a couple of days later, he goes, we're driving around, he goes, He's following me and he goes, can we stop by that house I really like? And I said, sure. Okay. So we pulled up in front of it. The bus doors open. He gets out in the full Saudi outfit. He's got a beard. He's got the whole head thing. He's got the, you know, the scarf. He's got the long gown. He's, I mean, he looks like the part. He rings the bell. He rings the bell and I jump out of my car and I'm looking and thinking, oh my God, they're going to come out and shoot us. I mean, there's guards and you know they're going to come out and something terrible is going to happen here. He rings the buzzer and he goes, hala, 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 hala. And I'm standing there, my heart's pounding really fast. I'm like, what the hell? And he pushes, he goes, hala, hala, hala. And I guess they, they open the gate and the two guards come out from the, into the motor court. He starts to walk in. Michael's very tall, by the way. And I'm walking behind him maybe 20 feet, just trying to figure out quickly on my feet what the heck's going to happen right now. And he bends over to shake their hand. He bends over, you know, like they do at the waist. And he goes, hala, hala, how long do you say hala, hala, right? So he's going, hala, hala, hala. He's bending over. He does it like three, three bows. And they all kind of look at each other and they look over at me. And I, for a split second, it just did not know what was going to happen. All of a sudden he took off his, his headdress, he took off his beard, and they all came out, oh my God, oh my God, it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, of course, he gets to see the house, you know. So that was that was a really crazy experience. And there's another one where I had this rock and roll guy, he's still really well known. And I went to his house in Beverly Hills, and he said, come on, check out my house, and let me know what you think it's worth. And so I go in there, he opens the door, and he's got this long, wet hair and no shirt, and he goes, come on in. So we walk in, I look to the right, 
to the left. There's no furniture, but there's floor-to-ceiling cages of snakes. There's three rows of cage, cages all around the entire room, all around the entire room, living room, dining room, family room, floor-to-ceiling. And I go, I, I, you know, I, I don't think we can show the house like this. And he said, well, why? They're, they're, they're my pets. And I go, what, can, can we move them somewhere? I mean, somewhere made to the garage somewhere. You, can, you, you can't have people walk in with there's thousands of snakes, right, in these cages. And he goes, but they're like my children. And I go, but we, I, I can't. I mean, I can't bring anyone into this house with all these snakes. So, so that was, I couldn't, you know, I ended up not, you know, taking that listing, of course, for the house. But oh, we've had some, I, we have one woman who faked her own death, her own murder to get out of a deal. Uh, we've had just the crazy people having sex. Of course, you're walking in on people all the time having sex. So it's like, it's, yeah, all the things that you would never know that happened. There was this one lady who was a, a well-known, um, uh, she just won an Emmy. And she says to a guy on our show, she, he, she, she says, protect, protect my Emmy and you deal with my husband. And he walks in the door and the guy's butt naked, laying on the sofa, completely passed out completely passed out. It's like 11 o'clock in the morning. So he takes the rug from under the coffee table and throws it over the guy. <laughs> the fires come in. They didn't even know he was there. And they're walking around <laughs> looking at the house. <laughs> and I have another one where the guy goes, I went to talk, had a meeting talking to him and he goes, I have to walk my pet. Do you mind? I will go down on the beach. I'll walk my pet. He goes, okay, fine. So he goes and gets a leash and takes his bunny rabbit. His bunny rabbit's about this big that he, he leashes up the bunny rabbit to take the bunny rabbit down on the beach for a walk. So there's just quirky things. We have to jump, you know, land on our feet and find something to say or turn it another way. And, you know, it's, 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 it can be pretty crazy. I was going to ask you about creativity in real estate. Valerie, one question. On your podcast, do you have these people come on and tell their stories or do you tell the stories or do you, can you use names? What, what are the limits of legality of your telling us who, who those people were other than Michael Jackson? How we far don't use go? names and we don't use addresses. We do not. Uh, okay. And that's, that's sort of the rule on our, on our show. But uh, so it's it's perfectly fine. And uh, yeah, no, we have guests that come on and tell their stories. And it's sort of like a big uh, laugh fest, if you will, for a half an hour, which is a good thing because everyone's been so darn serious and real estate's crazy and all these things. And we've all had, you know, from showings to inspectors to, you know, crazy clients and crazy agents and all these crazy things that happen. And it's people don't realize that there's so much to manage behind each sort of real estate thing you're dealing with. And Valerie, is there a, a buyer's boom, a buyer's market where you are? Because I'm in North Carolina and I know that a friend of mine sold a house in the first day. They had an offer. Uh, they had nine more offers the next day and the price went up precipitously. And the first offer raised it above everybody else and did a cash deal. And they were able to sign on date 48 hours after the listing for oodles more money than they ever dreamed but the realtor had a video and he had a walker he had a, a panoramic uh, website and he had brochures he really went and they staged the house is it is that how to market where you are now 100 percent, and it's that way all over the country i'm in a group um called the international luxury alliance and we're from all over the country we meet twice a year and we're from different states and every single state in the united states right now is having exactly the same thing with multiple offers uh, multiple buyers. There's a lot of money in the market. 
Um, people are, are you, you walk in with the asking price. You don't try to negotiate. You offer the asking price. And usually right. um, more times it goes over the asking price. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, there's a there's a lot of new money with Bitcoin now coming in. We've had some big Bitcoin buyers and really all these different. Yeah. And the NFTs. And it's I, something I want to learn more about. You probably know some something about all that. A, li- a little bit. I've stayed out of that market, but I've, I'm doing some radio shows on the future of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Uh, but question for you, are you using your show as a training tool for new realtors to learn how to cope with the unusual, the good, the bad, and the ugly? We're going to get to Rebecca's story in a minute here. But the good, the bad, and the ugly of selling real estate, is this something where you got to laugh through it, but you have to be creative, Valerie, in order to get through and get the deal? What do you think? Well, I think it makes people feel that they're not alone when they're dealing with crazy things that, you know, that that it's really pretty common. I mean, most deals are not perfectly smooth and normal. There's all kinds of crazy things. And it's very emotional for for both sides and for many people, especially when you're overbidding constantly and reaching. You don't know where the end target is on a price. You just keep raising your offer and things like that. But I think our show really is for I think it's really more for for the for the people that aren't in real estate to understand more of what we do. I mean, they hear these mm-hmm. stories and they don't realize, you know, that all this stuff that goes on behind the real estate curtain. So I, I think it's kind of a mixture of both. But we have an international uh, listenership right now, which we're growing. And good. Um, yeah, I'm really thrilled with it so far. Good. Well, the per- just wrap up that story. The person, the, the family who bought this house, bought it sight unseen. Their their son lived in this Raleigh-Durham area. He was the one who did the viewing. He's the one who sent them the videos and all that. He probably took pictures and did a walk around himself. But they never saw it until they actually moved here. They wanted a second or third home to be near their grandchildren who are here in this area. They never visited the house until after everything. The deposit was so big, they, they had to, it couldn't be, it had to be an overnighted check. It couldn't even go through transfer. They, they, it couldn't even be handled. It was that much cash up front. So, uh, so the people I know who sold it were uh, shocked and amazed and very happy. They never dreamed they would get up to that next big number. It I... just, out, out of sight. Very interesting. Valerie, I know you have to go. Thank you so much for joining Thank us you. and be well and keep doing Thank what you you're guys. doing. And I'm going to give it, tell everybody again, what's the name of your podcast and where can people find it, please? Real Estate, Real Laughs on YouTube, Spotify. I mean, it's all across all the, all the platforms. And Apple. Apple. And what's the name of your co-host? I know it's under his, his name too. Bob Hurwitz. H-U-R-W-I-T-Z. H-U-R-W-I-T-Z. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll look for it. Thank you so much, Thank you Valerie. so much for having me. Okay, good to Bye. see you. Good to see you. So now, my goodness gracious, I had to I had to get her time before she had to leave. So Rebecca and Mar- Marisa, forgive me for that. So now let's go do some creativity statements with both of you, and then we'll, we'll do our holidays that are not so famous, and we'll do some famous birthdays. So let me go to, uh, to uh, Rebecca here. And you sent me a couple of statements on creativity. You say, creativity is a uniquely personal expression of a thought, idea, or feeling. Achieving flow allows creativity to come naturally and easily. Let's talk about achieving flow. That's what I know our listeners and viewers would love to know. Rebecca, talk to me. Uh, I think, well, I think a lot of folks struggle with how you get in the zone, right? I mean, some people call it the zone, some people people call it flow. Um, It's when you're at that heightened state where you're totally immersed in what you're doing. And it can be really difficult sometimes. You can't force it. It's something that you really just kind of have to, you have to listen to yourself and become really grounded and eliminate all of your distractions 
And this is true whether you're writing, you're painting, you're performing music, writing music, whether you're, um, you know, you're strategizing or you're really just contemplating your next move in life even. Um, but I think it's really important that we take the time and really just calm ourselves and give ourselves some space because it's just like um, when you go to a gallery in a museum, there has to be white space for you to appreciate the art. So you have to have negative space in your brain and your and your your psyche for that moment so that you can allow thoughts to flow and connect. And a lot of people do that in different ways. Um, I've been communicating with people about this for several years now, and some people do it by running. Some people do it by meditating. Some people do it by listening to music. And it's such a personal thing. I think it really depends. You have to explore and figure out what works for you. But it's really important that we all do that because without that, we're just on autopilot. And it's really, really difficult to tap into that, that inner genius. And by genius, I don't mean IQ. I just mean that thing that makes you uniquely you and what you are, what you are here to bring to the world. And everyone has that. Some people don't know what that is yet, but that's a great way to find out too, is to get into that space and really allow that creativity to flow and really, really dive in. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people that have experienced it, it's like the, it's the utopia, right? So when you're trying to figure out, I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, you know, as an artist. Yes, I have. I have very interestingly. I, I want to tell you that, Marisa, I was going to read your third statement on creativity, which Rebecca just touched on. Physical activity, Marisa says, makes me much more creative. So when I feel stuck, I get away from my desk and go do something. So Marisa, what are your choices for doing that physical activity? What do you prefer? My favorite is to go surfing. Oh, wow. Excuse yeah. us. Talk to us. Where, <laughs> when, how? I've never had a surfer on the show. Not an admitted <laughs> surface surfer. Marisa, talk to me. Um, because usually, so I, I'll split my time between Texas and Southern California. And um, once the pandemic hit, I'm mostly in Texas, so I'm not surfing as much. But um, it's going out into the ocean. I can't have my electronic leash on me. And so it forces me to just be out, clear my mind, and um, just to be with my thoughts. And that's when I'm most creative and I'm getting all my energy out. And I'm thinking of so many things. I'm the most creative when I'm out surfing. It's, it's remarkable. And my mind is just clear. And, and it allows, when my mind is clear and I'm relaxed, it allows so many creative thoughts in. I like that. Thank you very much. I didn't expect that. I thought you were going to say tennis or going for long walks or basketball or yeah. something like that. It's very, not very dangerous cool. enough for me. That's not dangerous enough. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I want to read your fourth statement here, Marisa, <laughs> and have you talk about that. Listen to this, Rebecca. Listen up. Marisa says, a PR person should never admit this, but she's about to. She says, I'm brave and I will because it needs to be said. Sometimes Marisa takes a social media detox because being fully present and 100% observant of how she feels about things and interacting with friends, family, clients, and colleagues face-to-face -face and by phone inspires her most creative and successful ideas. A phone? Talking to people on the phone, Marisa? Are you serious? Tell us, what is a social media detox? I think I know, but let's explain okay. it. Go ahead. You know, I've gotten really good at it, and I shouldn't admit it, but I'm finding that when... When I'm really immersed in social media a lot, I'm missing cues around me, right? So 
I'm missing out on little things that people are saying or opportunities. When I'm not immersed in social media and I'm not so into my phone looking at, you know, what people are doing in social media, I'm hearing conversations, I'm here, I'm seeing nuances, and I'm picking up on not only reading the room, but reading what people need and want. Not, and I'm not only talking about family and friends, talking about clients, talking about strangers, because in a group of strangers, let's say that you're in a grocery store line and you just start talking to the person behind you or the person in front of you. If you're on social media in a line, which is, you know, usually my habit, I'm checking, you know, responding to people on Instagram or on Facebook. But if I'm doing a little bit of a detox, I'm talking to the person in front of me or the person behind me. And I hear what their creative challenge is. And usually I get into solving their creative challenge. And the next thing I know, they'll say, oh, you have a PR firm? I need some help. And it's not that I'm out looking for business, but it's amazing the world that opens up when you're open to the world. Mm -hmm. It's very, amazing. Very, it is amazing. It, it's interesting. I started painting. This was one of my earliest collages. And by the way, ladies, do you see the, the, the doodads on the picture behind me? Yeah. Those are real earrings. I had a, a jar full of single earrings where the others had gotten lost along the way. And I punched, pierced, I punched the post through the canvas and put the, the, uh -huh. the, the backing on it so that these are real earrings. And I just thought illustrating this was supposed to be a kind of a cityscape. And those are the buildings. And this was one of my, and the artist at Voice America put the lips on and, and put the logo on, which oh, is I fine. And that's that little uh, caricature was done by an advertising agency for me years ago when I started business radio and the company I worked for said, you can't have anything like that. It doesn't follow the corporate guidelines. <laughs> you both know what that is. Don't you ladies? Yes, so I kept, I kept the glossy and I kept the JPEG. And when I started this show, I said, let's use that. And they, they popped it in the middle. So anyway, I'm sitting in front of her, but she's actually very cute and she sort of looks like me. But when I started painting, it was a funny story. When I moved here to Durham, I have no idea why. Why, Rebecca and Marisa, I saw a sale in the, one of the flyers that came out. I'm brand new here. Uh, Michael's was, there's a shopping center about a mile point four away from me. And they said Michael's was having a sale on this artist kit. It was a, a collection of different kinds of media. It was pencils and crayons and it was watercolors and some acrylics and it was brushes and paper and, and some frames. And, and it was in a carry case, like a, a model would carry a portfolio. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I bought the darn thing and I stuck it in the closet for almost two years. And I, I kept thinking, what am I going to, what am I going to take it out of the closet? At least open it, look at it. What do I want to do with it? I don't know. I'm not an artist. I don't paint. I don't draw. I'm a verbal visual person, but I'm not an artist. So I opened it up and I left it on the, one of these great big kitchen counters. I left it on the end of the kitchen counter for a couple of days. I went back and I said, well, let me read the books. Oh, this, I use this. Okay, that's fine. I left it alone. And then I started taking paper, construction paper I had in my office and just dabbling a little with watercolors. And I said, no, that's not going to do. So I went back to Michael's and bought a bunch of canvases. And a year and a half later, I had 150 paintings. 
Wow. I started, That's amazing. I started, they're all over. There must be 20 on the walls of my living room, uh, not in the bedroom. And my, my, I'm a drummer in my drum room, my music room. My garage has about 50 paintings. They're on the walls leading to the garage. They're all over the hallways. And it's just fascinating. But I, I went from these uh, hands-on, I'll call them hands-on collages where I take packaging from from a cook I don't eat cookies anymore but cookie wrappers inside they have this wonderful foil that doesn't crinkle and it's shiny from the inside of candy wrappers are wonderful uh, anything that has shiny or color even the the can of peas lesser peas if you cut <laughs> out the picture of the pea I was making collages with with stuff from anything that was in the house it was like a recycling materials and putting and then I learned about acrylic paint pouring and there's a woman named Jilly, I can't remember her last name, um, in Australia, who does a series of podcasts on how to use acrylic paint pouring. So I switched to acrylics, and that was about 85 paintings ago. And now I paint with an egg crate, egg carton. You take the six egg carton, either the, the cardboard or the styrofoam, or now they have the clear plastic, or even those little boxes that come with candies where, you know, when you order flowers and they send you a little box of candies, the little six things that have candies in them, you pour the paints into those and then you either dump it on top of a canvas or you pour it over in a shape and tilt the canvas and wait to see what happens. Oh, neat. And all kinds of shapes appear. And I have elephants marching across one page. I have no, I have no idea how they got there. I have people on a Broadway stage. I didn't put them there. Things just appear, fish and flying cars and birds and tree. Anyway, it's just so so interesting. So I opened up my mind, and my my kitchen counter is big enough to put the the. Uh, I have a whole bunch of uh, paints there, and I have uh, you you buy the the pads, the doggy pads, and you cover the counter so you don't get the paint on it. And I have my my canvases and I have and I don't use brushes anymore you use a balloon you fill a balloon with water you tie it off very short balloon and then you dip it in three colors of paint and you put it on the canvas and it becomes little pansy flowers or beautiful flowers and you use string dipped in the paint and you put it in an s-shape and you pull the string off and it makes lilies Oh, me. Oh, yeah. I learned all this stuff just watching it. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent. But so creativity to me is just saying, I just feel like painting. Sometimes I do three paintings in a weekend. I, I'm not selling them. I'm not doing anything with them. I just like looking at them. That's all. But it's an, ex it's an expression. It's an expression. Ladies, we have some time left. We got about 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes. Let's do some famous birthdays and famous holidays. And let's see if we, not famous holidays. Let's see if you know these people. Ashton Kutcher. Who doesn't know Ashton Kutcher? <laughs> Did you both see the commercial with his two wives uh, accepting an award for uh, best alumni? Did you see it on, on network TV? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I think it's, I don't remember if it's an insurance company. Somebody is saying the most most uh, accomplished alumni or alumna in, in this gathering of women in this fancy ballroom. You've probably been to a million of those, Marisa. And Demi Moore and uh, uh, what's her name? What's the new? Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. They each are in these long, slinky black dresses. They each get up from their tables and walk to the stage thinking they won the award. So they go up on the stage. It's hysterical. Look it up. It's on YouTube. They go up on the stage and this woman dressed in a gray dress, she's a little bit lumpy and clumpy, very real lady. She's sitting at the front table with her family and they say whatever her name is and she comes up and Mila hands her the flowers and Demi Moore hands her the trophy and they're looking like, we didn't get picked. It's hysterical. 
hysterical, hysterical. Anyway, Ashton Kutcher, God bless you. I miss him on Two and a Half Men. I liked him. Chris Rock, the comedian, is 56 today. Garth Brooks, everybody knows who rocks a hat better than Garth Brooks. He is 59 years old, just about grown up. Isaiah Thomas, the baseball basketball player, is 32. James Spader, I had a, a crush on James Spader years ago. On uh, What was he on? Uh, was it Boston Law? What what show was he on? L.A. Law, I think. One of those. James Spader. I couldn't get enough of him. Stephen Hilton, who is a composer of Transformers, Dark of the Moon, Ocean's Eleven movies, Moulin Rouge, and Apple commercials, as well as Madagascar 3. He's 47. Happy birthday. Four TikTok and YouTube stars you've never heard of, I guarantee, Marisa and Rebecca. We have 420.Justin. That's his name. Four, I know, Marisa. I know. TikTok star. You're going to say happy birthday. He's 17. We have a TikTok star. I think it's a woman named Gabs Chase. One word, G-A-B-S-C-H-A-S-E. Gabs Chase, probably Gabby or Gabriella. TikTok. We have a man named Falco Punch. One word with a capital F and a capital P. TikTok. And we have Latoya Forever, who is a YouTube star, and she's 34 years old. How about that? Today is National Fettuccine Alfredo Day. Anybody still eat that good stuff? I have to stay away from it. Anybody? Nope. Nope, not on your plan. Okay. I love it, but I don't eat it. Ditto, ditto. It's National Ballet Day. Has anybody ever danced ballet or taken ballet? Either one I, of I did, but I did something horrible when I was five just to make sure my parents never made me take ballet again. What did you do? Well, I was a total tomboy. So during the recital, I um, stood in the middle of the stage and I picked my nose. <laughs> And she's here to tell us about it live on Facebook. My on Voice America. were mortified. They were mortified. And afterward, I said, see, I hope you will never make me take ballet again. I wanted to be on the baseball team. The girls don't play baseball. I didn't, they, they would pull my hair back in this really tight bun and put all this makeup on me and make me wear the little tutu. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. I want to play baseball and football with the boys. They were like, no, girls don't do that. Oh, honey, okay. you were so ahead of your time, Marisa. You were so ahead of your time. Uh, before we go on, and also it's National Rose Day, the beginning of Valentine's Week, and we all know that my show will be on next week on Valentine's Day. Rebecca, is there any creativity in AI? Is there any way AI is algorithms and it's machine learning and it's teaching? It's it's our Alexa. It's our Siri. It's our whoever turns the lights on and off. It's it's all around us, artificial intelligence. I know there's no compassion in AI, but is there any creativity in AI? Well, their AI is actually creating art, believe it or not. And, um, and writing art. I know journalism music, too. And yes, yeah, so it is learning how to become creative. Uh, it does have some level of consciousness, nothing like we do. But um, yeah, it's kind of... Um, it's interesting and scary at the same time. <laughs> so. But it's the, the algorithms and, and the processes are programmed by people or are yeah, machines which, learning from machines. So yes, yes, yes. And so artificial intelligence is programmed, created by humans, and it does learn on its own. It learns how to, mm-hmm. it's called machine learning, and, and it learns how to process and imitate and then starts to think for itself so it can respond in conversation without script. And just as a really simple example, but um, yeah, it's becoming very, um, it really wants to be more human. So I'm sure it's going to continue to become more creative. I don't think it'll ever be the same as uh, the human, the human creative spirit. Um, I think we have a corner on that, which is why I'm always trying to help people tap into that. So it's really important. Everyone just embrace your genius. Just kind of go for it because we get, we can't let them corner that market. That's, well, that's the one thing. 
I'll give you a scientific example. There are some researchers at Boston University who are trying to get in on, well, not quite the ground floor anymore, on autonomous vehicles, autonomous cars, and they're up to a 92% success rate. But what they did was they programmed their algorithms for their car, and then they have the cars trans, uh, trans, not transform, but go across, uh, whatever the word is, two different scenarios. One is a familiar road. It was already programmed on, and one is one of the roundabouts in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I live. Maurice, <laughs> have you ever been to Cambridge? The roundabout. Ah, I've been there. I've been there. Five or, five or six roads converge on one circle, and everybody's ah. looking at who the blank goes next. I do. I know I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they have it on those, and these cars are learning from observing yes. people crossing the streets from other cars. They're programming it to recognize a raindrop from a snowflake in terms of safer driving in inclement weather. And they are teaching them by observing other cars. So machine learning from the machine, they're up to a 92% success rate, safety rate. And I don't think we're ready to get in a car that only has a 92% rate. Although some people who have a less rate than that, we have three minutes left. I want to make sure we get where people can find each of you because you're both very, very savvy, smart ladies. And I want to make sure people can follow up with you. So Rebecca Murtal, where can people find you? Where can they find your book? Talk to me. Uh, so you can find everything about what I'm working on at RebeccaMurtaugh.com, M-U-R-T-A-G-H.com, R-E-B-E-C-C-A is the first name. Um, and um, yeah, there are many other things that we're working on, but that's a great launching spot. And I'm also very active on LinkedIn and uh, a little bit of Twitter. That's per LinkedIn is a really good place to find me. LinkedIn's where the business community is. I used to, it's when relative. I did my business radio shows, I would, I think you'll get a kick out of this. I would tweet 20 to 30 times during a one hour live show while I was hosting, reading the notes from my guests and looking stuff up. They mentioned a book and I go, oh, I know so-and-so wrote it. I was looking stuff up and I had, I had pre-formatted tweets of what the guests had said. So-and-so said this on live radio and this is what they told me. And I was just pasting them into Twitter as fast as I could, 20 to 30 wow. in an hour. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm running Zoom for all my shows, I have enough to do without, right. you know, I, I'm not going to compromise the screen. Um, thank you. Marisa, where can people find you? At www.cimincpr.com and also on LinkedIn. But all of my social media is found on my website. So you can just click on the icons and find my social media channels on my website. And let me spell that C-I-M-I-N-C-P-R.com, correct? Did yes. I get it right? And Marisa is M-A-R-I-S-A, Valbona, V-A-L-L-B-O-N-A. And I'm gonna give Rebecca's again, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-M-U-R-T-A-G-H.com. Com. There you go. Beautiful. I can't. Why did I stumble on that word of what the cars were? A car, a car's traverse, traversing the road, something like that. I was trying to come up with it. I have one minute left, so I want to thank you. I want to thank Valerie Fitzgerald who had to leave us. We missed a lot of a lot of holidays, but tomorrow is National Laugh and Get Rich Day, so you oh. can both do something about that. Okay. And Thursday's Umbrella Day and Cream Cheese Brownie Day, and Friday is National Latte Day. And uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday on, I, I didn't even know this year when it was going to be. I have some closing messages here. Gabe is telling me it's time to wrap up. So let me just do this. Life is short. 
We know that. Break the rules. Yes, Marisa. Yes, Rebecca. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. Let me tell you, slow kissing, it's the only way to go. If you can't do that, don't bother. Laugh uncontrollably. Never regret anything that made you smile. Love truly. And here are my final words. Work like you don't need the money. Right, Marisa? Work right. like you don't need the money because nobody cares. Dance like no one's watching, but they watch me when I dance. Sing like nobody's listening. Ah, try not to sing. And love like you've never been hurt. Let your heart be creative about regenerating, regrowing, refreshing, renewing, and finding new ways to love. Money talks, chocolate sings, and last but not least, and I stole this line from somebody else. Ladies, don't go away. Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red signing off. Thanks for listening. We're here on Cool Conversations with Creators. We'll be back next Monday night. Bye. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, LLL. Thank, Thank you, Red. Facebook. Thank you. Don't go away. We're going to take more. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.